We're teaching the Word of God to inspire and motivate. We're encouraging you to inquire and investigate as you seek after hope and salvation. We're using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to cut through all pretense, prejudice, and preconceived ideas until we're left with nothing but the pure will of God. I'm your host, Chris Peltz, and this is Sowers with Swords. Genderella, Genderella. Not a woman, not a fella. Oh boy. Have you heard what took place up in Iowa? There are videos that are going around that are are showing us just exactly what the world is, is believing. In fact, Joe Biden was asked by a young lady just a couple months ago. It's on YouTube. You can go and watch the video. The, the quality isn't that great, or I would have played the clip here on the program, but... She asked Joe Biden, how many genders are there? And he responded, at least three. Folks, we're going to talk about that a little bit today on, on the program. And, and the sad thing is that there are some folks who are able to go to Scripture to say, uh, to, to try and make a point concerning genders. So we're going to get into that and some other passages uh, on how folks misuse the Word of God on today's program. Before we do that, Richard, good to have you with us up there in Kearney, Missouri, with the Kearney Church of Christ. Thanks, Chris. You know, I I sympathize with Joe Biden because based on some of the things I've seen today, maybe there's more than three. I can't. Well, at least he said. <laughs> I can't figure. I can't figure out some of this stuff. So. I mean, you've heard of, you've heard of Bruce Jenner, haven't you? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, well, also joining us today is Winter here in the Midwest. <laughs> it's the high of forty nine. I mean, it's oh my goodness. Yesterday uh, we did not reach fifty. Today we're not supposed to reach fifty. It. I'm freezing, dude. I am. I am cold. But well, um, it, it is. I'm north of you. I know it. You are. So. My uh, the inside of my house looks like a greenhouse. I got all the plants in, and right, it's ridiculous. It is. I know it. Yeah, it's it, all that uh, global warming. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. We're, we're going to sound more like a political program than a religious program pretty soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but uh, all right. So as we get into this uh, today. Uh, that's right. There are those, uh, and, and of course, this whole gender battle has been taking place and gaining steam for for a while now. I mean, that that's just it. You know, as far as you know, the using of uh, public restrooms, a lot of things that have been happening, and and you may be wondering how in the world can someone possibly go to the Word of God to come up with the idea that perhaps there are more than uh, more than two genders, you know, to possibly say, oh, well, you know, Biden's got a point. Maybe there are at least three genders. And I'll just give you one text, for example. And it's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. 
In Galatians chapter 3, verse, I'll start in verse 26, because he says here in verse 26 of Galatians 3 that, um, uh, that, uh, that we are saved by, in essence, by faith, right? We are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Then he goes on in verses 28 and 29, not only talking about how we are, you know, if we are Christ and we are Abraham's, but he says there's no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female. And that's the point that they, they'll they go to that. Look, look, the Bible says there's neither male nor female. Now, if you were to take that on the surface as literal as you want to make it, that's not saying, Richard, that there are at least three genders. In fact, he's getting rid of two. And so he's saying that there's really, there is no difference in gender. There wouldn't be but maybe one, if anything. But that's how they'll take a a, a scripture, a verse, and say, look here, it says there's neither male nor female. And what we can do, it very clearly, we can go back to the book of Genesis. We can go back to creation there in verse, uh, really chapter one, where he made uh, the the animals, uh, you know, uh, male and female after their own kind, right? And then, of course, um, in, in there in chapter 2, where man was alone, and, and it wasn't good for man to be alone, so God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he took from him a rib and closed up the side therein, and from that rib he fashioned woman, and Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, um, and he goes on to say that, you know, for this reason a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Just everything points to two, man and woman, male and female, no more and no less. You know, isn't it amazing how the animal kingdom doesn't have this problem? I mean, (laughs) they have no problem defining their genders, but yet we do. And uh, I don't know, Chris. I, you know, I was thinking, I was trying to figure out what verse you might go to to try to justify that. And my first thought was you might go to Matthew nineteen twelve when Jesus said there were some eunuchs which were born from their mother's womb. I, I don't know how somebody's going to justify that. I mean, at some point when you read about Adam and Eve, you got to ask yourself, how did you, how did everybody get here? If there's not a male and a female. I mean, how did everybody, how did we get this point in history where we got people all over the planet? I'm, I don't know. I, it just, but I know some people are extremely confused about gender. And, uh, and I, you know, a lot of times I think a lot, this world has a lot of confusion in it because the devil has been telling so many lies for so long and people have gotten caught up in so many lies, and we're seeing a, a kind of a snowball effect, you might say. But uh, it, it's really sad to uh, to see people being <laughs> confused by what God has made them to be. You know, First Corinthians fourteen, uh, there towards the end of that chapter, he says, "God is not the author of confusion," and that's not just confusion and and worship and and things. He's just not the author of confusion. Period. He's made things very clear, and 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 this is one of them that you know, as far as genders are concerned, and and you know, it's interesting because even 
when you talk to uh, to uh, the the gay and lesbian communities, you talk to homosexuals. There are many of those that are that look at this idea, this subject of of gender, and they're like this. They they admit it's ridiculous. You know, they, listen, there are male and female, and that's it. You know, uh, and 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 oftentimes we're accused of uh, belittling, ridiculing, or 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 being mean spirited towards uh, towards the homosexual community. And and I've and I've been asked a lot of times. You know, do you all um, allow home, and, and I think that's how they put it too. At, at least one instance, I'm sure that's how it was worded. Do you allow homosexuals into your services uh, where where you go to church? And and my answer is absolutely. Yeah, everyone is welcome. We want people to come in. We want people to hear the truth. the The thing is, you know, to come as you are, but leave as Christ is. That's our motto. That's what we want. For, for people to do. And, and what we learn from that, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there in verses 9 through 11, uh, while he points out that uh, murderers and adulterers and drunkards and homosexuals, and, and as he goes down kind of a, a short list there, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11, he says, but such and such were some of you. But the emphasis really should be on the word were. Such were some of you. There was a change that took place. And now, how could that change take place if they weren't allowed to come in and, and hear the gospel preached, to hear the Word of God and for it to, to be allowed to work on their hearts so that they could come to the understanding of truth and hear the proper context of these passages? That's something that I, I think from the very beginning, Richard, from the first program we did, that was one of the first things I remember you saying is, context, looking at context, when we talk about authority, when we talk about uh, salvation, when you talk about any passage in the Word of God, we need to go to and understand context. And and that's really what we're we're trying to do. Just as with, you know, no longer Jew or Greek, male or female, he's not saying genders are going away. What he's saying is that when it comes to salvation, there's no difference. Men and women are saved the same way. And you Acts chapter 8, verse 12, men and women were baptized. Well, who else? What else? You know, the, the scriptures are very clear. Men and women were baptized. Well, what was Simon, right? Verse 13, even Simon believed and was baptized. Was he something else? No, that's not the point. The point is men and women. That is the genders that the scriptures reveal that we see in all around us. And to deny that is really to to just simply make up things that aren't true and do not exist. You know, like I said, the devil's out there painting lies. And he starts with the youth. I, I do want to share one thing. And if you think it's political, you can cut me off. But you know, there's a teacher who lives down the street. And he, he tried to start a uh, homosexual um, kind of a counseling group at the high school. And because what they do is if they see that you're not, if you don't have a girlfriend, they'll pull you aside and they'll say, you know, maybe you're a homosexual and that's okay. And young people, young people may be confused if they're not hearing the truth. And so, 
how are they going to combat that? And I'm getting back to you talking about us inviting uh, homosexuals into the church. Now we're not we're not talking about uh, condoning homosexuality. We're not talking about fellowshipping homosexuality, but we do want the homosexuals to hear the truth. And the best place to hear that is at church. And that they're going to be treated very nice. They're going to be treated respectful like everybody else. But they need to hear that truth just like they're hearing the lies, perhaps in school or elsewhere. But there needs to be a place where they can go to hear that truth because there's so many lies out there. And if we don't open up the doors to all sinners, you know, to come and hear the truth, where are they going to go hear it? Yeah. How are they going to hear it? That's right. You know, and, and I remember talking to you this this was past week, and you made a comment that uh, someone had had uh, told you I, I probably years ago that you could prove almost anything with the scriptures, and yeah. and you know I cringe when I hear that, but you're right. I mean, I hate to I hate hearing it, and and I want folks to understand. I'm going to give an example of of just how dangerous people can be with the scriptures and with a knowledge of the word of God. You know, you look at a text like Matthew chapter 19, where um, starting in verse 19, where you have the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus asking about salvation and, and what he must do. And Jesus tells him, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. And then you go and you look at Judas after the arrest of, of Jesus and, and, and going to be crucified you have Judas, who we are told went and hung himself. And then you've got the lawyer who came to Jesus asking about the greatest commandment, and he gives the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And after that parable, Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. Now think about grabbing those three passages and saying, look, and you can read those three texts for yourself. Go and sell all your possessions. Judas went and hung himself. Now go and do likewise. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's an absurdity, but it shows you how how quick and easy someone, if you're not careful and willing to examine the scriptures for yourself and look at and find out the context of what is being stated, what is being said, then that's how quick and easy scriptures can be twisted and error can be taught. Much like there in with that rich young ruler. Um, you know, doing radio programs for churches for several years, uh, a caller called and, and said, well, you know, you guys talk about baptism so much, but Jesus didn't tell the rich young ruler to be baptized. It's like, well, it is, if that's your standard, right, and looking at that particular text on baptism, um, and since he didn't say to go and be baptized, you, you're obviously looking at that text to say, you know, that then this is telling us what we need to do to be saved. So have you sold everything and give to the poor? And he's, well, of course not. You know, I was like, well, then why are you using that text? Why are you using that particular passage to say, well, he didn't say go and do this. All right, well, let's look at what he did say. And is that what you're doing? And of course not. That's not what he's doing. But that's how people misuse Scripture. You know, we talk about it. We say that they're doing it. And here's some examples of, of how they're doing it. And I know, Richard, you've got a few examples of your own. Oh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote down a few. Uh, the uh, the one that, uh, the first one on my list is, uh, and you've heard this many times, judge not lest you be judged. And, of course, that always, that always comes with, you know, preaching 
to somebody when you're pointing out error, they don't like to hear it. And of course, uh, I'll just read the passage in Matthew 7. Uh, it says, for with what judgment, and that's starting in verse 2, for what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. But then let's look at the context. <laughs> Why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam that's in your own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine own, thine, thine own eye? Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. I think I'm messing that up. He goes on to say, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So, I mean, really, what's he what's he's talking about in context there? He's talking about being a hypocrite. It's it's like, you know, I'm sitting there saying, Chris, you shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be getting drunk. Excuse me while I take a sip of my bourbon. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's really what we're talking about. I shouldn't be judging you. You know, as far as, uh, and that's not what you're drinking there, by the way, right? No, I got some water, <laughs> ice water. <laughs> it's, it's too early, right? right? It's, it's too, that's right. Yeah, that's we we do that after the show. That's right. not a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. Of, course, of course, it is. Yeah. But uh, no, the uh, the context of that whole thing is is the hypocrisy. Yeah. Uh, are we going to be judged? Yes, of course we're going to be judged. Uh, Titus 2.1, speak to those things that are sound doctrine. How are you going to speak sound doctrine if you're not preaching on error? I mean, doctrine is teaching. Somebody's going to be offended by teaching. I mean, in other words, when I say offended, the doctrine is going to tell somebody they're wrong. Right. And then somebody's going to say, well, don't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. The Bible's doing the judging anyway. The Bible, judgment's already been cast. And so... It, it, well, it has. That's right. The word of God. Jesus said in John twelve forty eight, you have that which judges you. The word that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. And, you know, he, he says judge not. But then what does he tell that man to do? He goes, you know, don't the idea is don't judge hypocritically. Right. You, you've got a worse problem than he does. Don't be a hypocrite in your judgment. Take care of yourself so that you can help the brother with the moat in his eye. And he didn't say, leave him alone, don't do anything. He goes, no, to get your own self in order so that you can help the, the brother there. In other words, you're going to be making some judgments. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says, I have already judged this situation where a man had his, his father's wife. The scriptures condemn that clearly. And and here was a man in that situation in a church that was basically bragging about it, and and Paul condemns them, makes judgment. Um, you know, I think of uh, of John seven, what John seven twenty twenty nine, maybe that it twenty four. Twenty four. Thank you. Judge uh, righteous judgment. Exactly right. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. One of the most hypocritical statements we can say is, don't judge me, all right? Because, or you're wrong to judge, right? Because what am I doing? What am I telling you? And, and what am I, I'm making a judgment. I'm telling you, I'm judging you and telling you you're wrong for making a judgment. That's hypocritical within itself. And, and Jesus was not a hypocrite. We know that. And so no. he's not saying don't make judgments. He's saying make righteous judgments. Don't judge by appearance. Don't judge hypocritically. 
but use the Word of God as a standard because that's the standard that's going to be used against you. And that's the point of Matthew chapter 7. You know, 1 Corinthians 5, you went to uh, write the next chapter, very next chapter. 1 Corinthians 6, you know, he talks about a brother taking his brother to court. He was not happy with that. Right. But he said, the least esteemed in the church should be able to judge between you. So, I mean, here in that case, in that context, he's telling you to judge. Right. He's telling the least esteemed to make a judgment. And so, again, context is everything. Um, you know, we always some, put it in the negative, right? Isn't that yes. how we often look at it? We put it in the negative. Let's put it in the positive. Remember in Acts chapter 16, when Paul, after uh, converting Lydia, um, she says, if you have counted me faithful, remain with me. That's, that's true. Yeah. You know, and so he made a, a judgment. He counted her faithful and stayed and ate. And and so, you know, what about that? You know, we we make judgments all the time, but only complain about negatives. And yet we make positive judgments. And you know, no one ever says, Oh, no, 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 don't don't judge me. You know, don't think anything good about me. Don't make those judgments. Well, Last word on that, Richard, and then let's pick up another one. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm going to, I'm going to be just reiterating some of the things that we already said, but, uh, you know, we got to be very careful when we're taking these passages and <clears throat> using them. I, I want, maybe I should, when somebody says that to you yeah. and I'm asking my listeners to do this, when somebody quotes that to you, this is how you should respond. Say, oh, that's really interesting. Where did you read that in the Bible? Because I can guarantee you 99% of the people who quote that verse have no clue. They don't have a clue where they read it. And so if they don't know where it's at in the Bible, it's just something that fits a narrative that they like. And so, you know, just ask them, well, you know, do you know if it's even in the Bible? You know, and then you can direct them to it and start talking context if they'll listen. But more than likely, they're just trying to throw something in your face. And the thing that hurts us, Chris, is the fact that there are so-called Christians out there who aren't really Christians that when this verse gets thrown in their face, they back off and they say, oh, you're right, you're right, I can't judge. Well, again, you know, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so trying to put it in context is so important for us as, as we look at any passage. And, and, you know, the last couple of weeks, in fact, we've looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast, but it is a gift of, of God. And and we look at that, and, and in essence, we've kind of went through this uh looking at that from a different angle, perhaps, but it fits into our topic today because in this particular text, people have added to this text the word only, for example, uh, that, you know, for by grace you were saved by faith only. And, and of course, that's not what it says. And, and that's another way of looking at and, and abusing the Word of God is adding Scripture, adding words to Scriptures uh, that aren't there 
and making it say something that it doesn't say, trying to get it to teach something that it does not teach. And, and you know, again, that's a text we've looked at a couple of times over the past few weeks, but that's, again, something that people do in, in trying to twist and, and teach something that just simply isn't true at all. Yeah, well, and then they, they also try to, when you bring up baptism, they'll say, well, that's a work. You know, you're not saved by works, so baptism is a work. Well, yeah. Uh, read the rest of the passage. In verse 10, he says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, I mean, you want to call baptism a work? You know, it's an act of obedience, yeah, and just like everything God else. That, and God has ordained. It, it, this is a work of God. It, it's not something man created, man made up. This is something that God put forth for us. So, so that, that's, again, a way that people are misusing the Word of God that we're trying to, to bring awareness to, trying to get folks to not just take our word for it by any means, or and certainly not anyone else's, but examine the scriptures for yourself. Look to the Word of God to find out what is said, what is in fact taught, because that's where you're going to find, um, you know, the truth. As you put all of these things together, and make sure that you know you're not just kind of going along with the crowd or going along with what everyone else says. Very quickly, I want to tell folks about our website. The SouthsideSower.com. You can go to SouthsideSower.com, S-O-W-E-R, and you'll find all kinds of information concerning the Southside Church of Christ. You can uh, find our both our um, our YouTube, our Facebook um, pages there. There are articles. There are online resources that are available. We try to keep everyone up to date on the works uh, that we are involved in and. Uh, our schedule of services. We are meeting at 11 o'clock on Sundays. We've been meeting for a couple of weeks now at 11 o'clock, taking precautions, um, and we'll try to update our website. We'll go back to our normal times here in a couple of weeks, I believe. Uh, we're kind of playing that by ear, but right now we do a 10 o'clock live stream study uh, on Sunday mornings um, uh, right here on our Facebook and YouTube channels, and then at 11 o'clock we're meeting at the building uh, for a period of worship, and uh, like I said, we've been doing that for uh, for a few weeks, and then we will go back to our normal schedule um, here in, in a few weeks, but we're going to give this a little bit more time before we start meeting for Bible classes uh, and things like that. So we'll continue with the online class at 10 and uh, meeting in person uh, at our building at 11 o'clock on Sunday. Richard, what's going on up in uh, Kearney with the Kearney Church of Christ? Uh, something similar. We're not having Bible class, but we are meeting at 1030 for worship. And uh, those of, who feel they can come are, uh, are doing so. And uh, of course, we're, we're taking precautions as far as most people are. And we are very careful with how the Lord's Supper is being prepared. And, and uh, we're trying to practice, uh, you know, sitting six feet apart at least. And and we're not, it's awful. We don't shake hands, but, uh, I, I told, uh, I, I told someone we greet each other with a holy, uh, holy wave yeah, right. <laughs> instead of a holy kiss. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, we got that 
we got that uh, going on as well. We, we are worshiping, and and I'm I'm very grateful for that. Right, right. And your website, CarneyChurch.com. CarneyChurch.com. Real simple. CarneyChurch.com. You can find out everything you need to know. Go to our Facebook page, and and uh, you can uh, tune in to different things, uh, including this show. You can get access to this show from uh, CarneyChurch.com on the on the Facebook link. Uh, but this Thursday, we're going to have gospel preaching live every Sunday night and Thursday night. Uh, I do some gospel preaching, so you can tune in uh, this Thursday at 7, get some of that. Absolutely. And, of course, if you have any questions for us, not only can you leave them in the comments of these uh, of the programs, but you can also uh, send us an email at southsidesower at gmail.com. That'll come directly to me, southsidesower at gmail.com. If you have questions, something you'd like for us to address on the program, we'll be happy to do that as well. So getting back now to this particular topic uh, at hand and, and, and abusing the Word of God and Again, probably one of the most popular would be the the judge not. I think that's probably one that is at the top of the list. And and I'm trying to remember. Um, you said you had a few. I know we had the you have the Ephesians two, verse eight with the faith only. You've got um, Matthew seven judge not. What was one of the other ones you had, Richard? Well, you know, there's there's two, but we kind of touched on this. Uh, one, and I'll let you talk to whichever one you want to go with. One of these. Uh, is uh, whoever is without sin cast the first stone, and that's in John 8, 7. And the other one isn't really in the Bible, but people use it. It's a soundbite. It doesn't matter how you worship God as long as you worship. So you choose which one you want to hit. Well, it, well, let's first of all, let's talk about the one that's not in the Bible. You know, we've looked at passages in the, in the Scriptures that people abuse. You know, there's a lot of things that people attribute to the Word of God that, that aren't there at all. And teach as, as doctrine, you know, and, and um, as Jesus said, teaching as doctrine, the commandments of men. Well, it doesn't matter how you worship, um, you know, as long as you're worshiping. And again, that is certainly one abuse of, of thought, I guess. You know, can't say of Scripture because that's nowhere in the Scripture. Um, well, you know, Chris, and, and what they do, and people who use that will come up and say, well, we're all brothers in Christ. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. We're all brothers in Christ, and and uh, and that that goes right along with. As the point long as that, you're uh, sincere, right? As long as you're sincere and <clears throat> right in the heart. Well, let's let's look at Matthew chapter, or sorry, John chapter four, verses twenty three and twenty four, because here in John three, John four, I'm going to get this. <laughs> I'll get this right. John four, verses twenty three and twenty four. When Jesus is talking to the uh, Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and he says the time is coming when the worshiper, the true worshiper, will worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, this particular text tells us a couple of things. First of all, that your heart and your attitude is important. It does matter, uh, but it must be guided. It's kind of like the conscience, right? Let your conscience be your guide, which you know we could look at for Romans chapter 14 about not violating your conscience. But the idea here is training your conscience, training your heart, training that attitude with the truth. It's not apart and separate from the truth, but they're together. And he says that you must worship in spirit and in truth. 
Um, I'll let you make a few comments. And I'm going to come back to that, uh, that John 4.24 because I want to point out five things very briefly that, that, that is taught in that text. Okay, well, when you go to that passage, and we need to emphasize the word must, because that's that's what Jesus is saying, must. If you're going to worship God, you must. So everything that follows from that, uh, you know, that's that's something we, we have to do. And, and, of course, when we're talking about it doesn't matter how you worship God as long as you worship them, the first two people I think about is uh, Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10, uh, Levitical priest who offered strange fire to the Lord, which he commanded not. And it cost them their lives. And, why, you know, why did why did it matter then how you worshiped the Lord, but it doesn't matter now? That's one of my questions. You know, why would it matter? Because all throughout the Bible, Chris, I don't see any verses or passages where God leaves it up to man to decide how he's going to worship God. There's always been instructions on how man is to worship God that I know of. And, of course, that goes along with Mark 7 and verse 7, where uh, Jesus says that uh, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Well, that verse even tells us there's, you know, you, you can worship God and it, it can be in vain. So it does matter how we worship. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. You know, in John 4, 24, first of all, he says the object of our worship, which is God, right? For God is seeking such to worship him. For God is spirit. And those who worship him, as you point out, must. There's the absolute. So there's the object of our worship is God. The absolute is you must. The action itself is worship, right? What, uh, um, acknowledging and glorifying him honoring him with our with our lips and it, with with what we do that he has set forth lords you know we could talk about acts of worship and things of that nature but the very action of worship itself so we have the object we have the action of worship the absolute we must worship god we have the attitude in spirit and we have the authority in truth and and that's you know all right there in that one text is crammed full of so much information and it it's uh, very similar to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. In Ephesians 4, verse 3, he talks about how we, through, um, you know, uh, being uh, united, right, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's like people say, well, as long as we're at peace with one another, we don't have to have unity of the Spirit. Or as long as we have unity of the Spirit, we can be at odds with one another. And, and they twist and they turn to justify one thing over another. And notice he says there to have the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. They work together. You need to have both. You work towards both. And that's what you need to be striving for. Well, First Corinthians 11. Corinthians were being corrected on how they were partaking of the Lord's Supper. So that's one passage you can go to to show that it did matter then because yeah. uh, the Apostle Paul pointed that out. I mean, it, it mattered how we worship God. And so if we're going to worship God, it behooves us to be taught how to worship, which goes back to the disciples. Why did they even ask Jesus, teach us to pray? Yeah. If it didn't matter how we pray, 
Why did they ask that question? And then why did Jesus answer it? (laughs) So, you know, all these things, you know, there, there is, it goes Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is by his authority. If you want to worship God, it's not up to you to decide how to worship God. Well, I guess you do have the power in your hand to, to do that, but if you want to be pleasing to God, then you need to find out what God wants. Absolutely. And that's only expressed to us in the scriptures. Well, folks, I hope you've gotten something out of this program. We're going to be wrapping it up. I, I hope that you'll hit the thumbs up, that you'll share this uh, these videos with your friends, with your family. Uh, be sure and leave some comments for us. We love hearing from you. If you have questions, you can leave those in the comments or email me directly at southsidesower at gmail.com. Check out Richard up there at, at Carney at CarneyChurch.com as well. Uh, Richard, I appreciate you being on the program. Hope you stay warm up uh, here. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I got my coat out. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yep. Well, summer will be here before we know it, and it's going to be hot. But as for right now, we uh, uh, winter is passing back through. So um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get out there and en- enjoy that while we have it also. Folks, I appreciate everyone watching uh, today, listening to our program. Again, we love hearing from you. Go to southsidesower.com. For more information concerning the Southside Church of Christ. And until next time, uh, again, stay warm and look to God for everything. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for watching Sowers with Swords, a work of Southside Church of Christ, which meets at 1517 East Cherokee Street in Springfield, Missouri. Visit our website for more information, southsidesower.com or email us at southsidesower at gmail.com.